So I think there is a lot of confusion, nope, not confusion, but mishandling of titles in the church. Because we are so prideful as human beings, we have a tendency to want to elevate ourselves above our actual calling, above our actual giftedness, and even above our conversion experience. And when I say conversion experience, I mean we like to place ourselves in positions within the church without even being first truly converted. We don't live a righteous life. We don't live a holy life. We don't live consecrated for the use of the Lord, but yet and still we want a title in the church. I don't think people realize that there are stipulations and guidelines and qualifications, or or maybe they just don't care, but they need to be met for you to be able to call yourself whatever it is you're labeling yourself within the church. These titles hold weight. They mean something because they aren't just titles. They're spiritual offices and gifts. So the title just functions as a description of the office or the gift. It's just like in Philippians when it says that God gave him the name that is above every name. The name of Jesus is that name, but it isn't just the name that makes this significant. It's the power and authority that is in that name. So it's more than just you being able to say, oh, I'm an apostle. Oh, I'm an elder. No, you don't just call yourself any and everything. God calls you to something and it's whatever he says, because you only get the title through the responsibility of the gift that God has given you. So it's not the title that makes you legit. It's the carrying out of the responsibility of that title. That's the only way you are validated. It's just like a manager on a job. If someone else is always doing their job for them, if they don't know how to do their job or they are haphazardly mishandling their role, then are you going to question their managerial capability? Are you going to wonder why or how they are even in that role in the first place? It's the same with the church. And today we're going to try to break it down. So make sure you keep listening. You're listening to The Traditional Millennial with Brittany Dotson, where conventional meets contemporary and faith fills the gaps. So here's what I don't think we understand in the body of Christ. We think that because we're in a church and people accept us in a role that we are qualified for that role. But if God does not approve you and he has not equipped you spiritually and given you that task, then you're wasting your time. I mean, you might look good doing it. You might sound good and can put all of these fancy words together, but you're just a sound good, look good, disobedient hypocrite who isn't gaining anything spiritual from what you've called yourself to carnally. Because there are people who sound and look really good in these roles, but they are straight up wicked. And a lot of these so-called prophets, teachers, apostles, and all of that are evil. And we need to be able to discern between who's evil and proud and who's good and called. So we're going to talk about these roles and what they require per scripture, not per what people want them to mean. Because if you're going to call yourself something from scripture, then scripture has to be the backing for what you're doing. So I'm going to read a couple of passages in scripture before we actually dig into this. So 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11 says this. It says, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. The reason I read those verses was to show where our gifts come from and to highlight prophecy as a gift and the discernment of spirits. So now in 1 Corinthians 12, 
28, it says, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. That helping and administrating, we don't like to do. We like big roles. So while you're calling yourself an apostle, you might just need to be sending emails. And ain't nothing wrong with that. All right. Anyway, so in Ephesians 4, 11 through 15, these are the last ones. It says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So our gifts and callings are not only given by the spirit and the spirit alone, but there is a purpose for our callings and our gifts. There is an aim, not for you to be important or for you to be praised and known by people, but for something to happen inwardly within you, within those around you and within the body of Christ. And here we see just by reading those passages, we see that the goals of the gifts are to equip to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, for attaining unity of the faith and of the knowledge of Christ, for growth so that we aren't deceived and carried away from our true doctrine, for growth in Christ, for us maturing and growing up in Christ, and also for the common good, the common good. We all should be benefiting from this in a way that God has seen fit for us to benefit, not our own way. So all of these things should happen as a result of us properly using our gifts given by God, not stealing and claiming a title and saying that it's been given by God. So let's break these down real quick. So we're going to talk about the most popular ones that we see in today's church. So first up, apostle. So an apostle is a special messenger or someone sent and commissioned by Christ. So if you look at the word apostello, which is the Greek word, it means to commission or send forth. So it's important that we recognize who does this sending. So in the early church, it was Jesus Christ himself. He called Paul himself on the road to Damascus. He called the 12 apostles, Peter, and so on. All of these were witnesses of Christ himself. They saw Jesus because Jesus made himself visible to them because he had a mission for them. Paul says over in 1 Corinthians 9 that he saw Jesus. And then over in 15, he listed all of those who were called apostles and said that they saw Christ too. Christ showed himself to them after the resurrection and Paul experienced him after his ascension. But now we have to understand the difference between apostles then and the gift of apostleship now. So when Jesus called the 12 apostles, he gave them, he called them to an office to establish the church, to write scripture and perform miracles. So when the apostles were replacing Judas, I don't know if y'all remember this, but Peter said that they needed someone who had accompanied them during the time that Jesus was with them to take the office of apostle. So they prayed to the Lord, not to each other. They prayed to the Lord and Matthias was chosen. But now no one is needed in that particular office to establish the foundation of the church. The church's foundation has already been established. 
nor do we need any apostles in that particular capacity to write scripture. Scripture has been written. It's just being fulfilled. So it's just like with a Greek letter organization. They all had charter members to found these organizations. But now the members who come after this don't need to lay the foundation for the organization. They just need to carry out the goals and the mission of the organization. So in the church today, though, God does gift some with apostleship, but it's in a different sense. So just like Jesus gave the apostles power and authority, he does gift others with the purpose and with the power and authority to do different things. He gives them the power and authority to plant ministries and churches, to go out and spread the gospel to those places that it may be foreign to, to teach and develop others or to do whatever is needed and necessary to further the gospel and the message of Christ. So we can conclude today with all of that, that an apostle has been called by the Lord. However, however he reveals himself to them, they know that they have been chosen by God. And in their calling, you see the results of their calling. They are not fruitless. And just because some of those who call themselves apostles seem to be prosperous, that does not mean they are fruitful. They That does not mean that they are producing the fruit of the spirit and their results are approved by God. And, and not only do we see that they've been called by God and that they are fruitful, but God not only calls them, he equips them. He equips them with power and authority. And so in Corinthians, Paul says that the mark of a true apostle includes signs, wonders, and miracles. So although the office itself is no longer active, the power still is. So there should not be an apostle who is limited in their power to reach people with Christ. If so, they are not an apostle. They are an imposter. <laughs> and you need not accept them calling themselves that. And when I say power, the first manifestation of power is going to be the power of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to call them from being a slave to sin. If they have not mastered that call yet, then they are not an apostle. They aren't anywhere close. All right. So the next one, next one we're going to talk about is a prophet. So the gift of prophecy now, it differs from what we saw and what we see in the Old Testament prophets in scripture. These Old Testament prophets spoke the authoritative word of God directly. Their words were recorded as scripture. And then when we get to the New Testament, the apostles recorded the word of God as, as scripture as well. But nonetheless, the spiritual gift of prophecy, it still exists. And it is a very unique and extraordinary gift. That's probably why so many people are so quick to try to make money off of it with courses to teach people how to access the prophetic and walk in the prophetic. But let me tell you something. If God does not give it, it ain't coming, no matter how many courses you take. But anyway, but Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, he said to pursue love. And he said, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And then over in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 20, he says not to despise prophecies. So we should be open to those who exercise this gift. But you have to know that these people are from God and that what they're saying is true. That's why the Bible tells us to test the messages from those who prophesy. Because these prophetic messages, they're not scripture per se. And they can take the form of exhortation. They can take the form of correction, disclosure of sin, prediction of the future, inspiration or other type of revelations, we have to make sure they line up with God's word because these are human words through human people. <laughs> They're spoken through a human mind. And so that is why you have to test them against scripture to make sure that they are sound and that they build up the body of Christ. Now, next one up is teacher. So I'm not going to go deep into this one, but just know that James does say this, that not many of you should be teachers for, you know, that those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So if you can't control your bodily actions and tame your tongue, like he said later on, if you can't act in wisdom or good conduct, or you haven't moved beyond basic elementary 
elementary things in the in the word, like it says in Hebrews, then just know that you are not equipped to teach. All right. So moving on. Deacon. Let's talk about a deacon. Like this is a major one here because we have so many people operating outside of the designated guidelines of this role. So whenever we talk about deacon, the word deacon comes from the Greek word diakonos, which means to kick up dirt by moving in a hurry. Or or it's what we know as a servant or a waiter or a waiter or someone who performs any service. And so that's why in Acts 6, we see the 12 apostles say, should we give up preaching the word to serve tables? When they were dealing with the dispute over the widow's well-being, that's what deacons are for, not to be the bishop or the overseer or to be in charge of the flock, but to be a servant of the church in whatever it needs, which can mean cleaning the bathroom, which is something we all should be willing to do if need be as servants within the body. But this role functions in this capacity and not as the final authority for all things. So if you're doing this, you're acting in blatant contradiction to God's word. I'm sorry. But because deacons work so closely with the bishops or overseers, they're happy had to be guidelines laid out for them too. And we see that in first Timothy three, it, it talks about deacons and their character and, and what they should and sh- should not do. And, and one I like is not greedy for dishonest gain. So y'all can't be stealing the church's money and call yourself a deacon. That ain't right. And also it says you have to be the husband of one wife. So if you're a cheater, you can't be a deacon, but you can't be a bishop or an elder either. So anyway, but all of that's in scripture. All those guidelines are in scripture. And then back in back to Acts 6, it says that the ones that were chosen to serve the widows were of good report, full of the spirit and wisdom. So deacons must always be led by the spirit. They must live a life that's shaped by the gospel. And they are appointed by their leader after being tested. And they should be willing to serve in whatever capacity that the church needs. But since we don't see them being given duties of an overseer or shepherd or teacher and so on and so forth, Operating in this role does require humility to just minister to the needs of the church. So if you don't want to just do that, then don't be a deacon. You need to do something else. But now if you have a terrible overseer, then I don't know, maybe as a deacon, you need to get with the elders of the church and maybe try to help him see the error of his ways. And if he can't do that, then maybe you need to go somewhere else and serve where he's actually, where someone is actually not mishandling the church. So now, Last but not least, we're going to talk about pastor, elder, and bishop. And we're going to talk about these three together because they go hand in hand. So first, pastor. When we look at the word pastor or shepherd in in scripture and in Ephesians, it's translated poimain in the Greek. So it just means that it's someone who the Lord raises up to care for his flock. It's a feeder or protector of a flock. Um, In Jeremiah, we see that a shepherd leads with knowledge and understanding and is one after God's own heart. So if you're a pastor who is living loosely and carelessly, then you are not aligning with what the Bible says about this role. And maybe you need to pray. And rethink what you have gotten yourself into. (laughs) Because again, per scripture, what you're doing should build up the body, not tear it down, not cause division or confusion. Now, as it deals with the bishop, this word is episkopos, which means to look on intently, to oversee and to keep an eye on the flock. And an elder or presbyteros is a mature man or someone with seasoned experience or judgment. Both of these have qualifications lined out in scripture for us. And they more so deal with character, again, like the deacon, than descriptions of their actual duties. Now, We know that they are to preach the word, correct, exhort, exhort, rebuke, and all the things. But they have to do this from a particular character base. Otherwise, they are not qualified to call themselves an elder or a bishop. So over in Acts 20, Paul was talking to the Ephesian elders. And he said, he told them to pay careful attention to themselves and to the flock. So don't just watch out for the flock. Watch out for yourself spiritually too. He said, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So... 
If someone tells me they acquired something with their own blood, then I'm going to take it pretty seriously and I'm going to try not to mess over it. But if you look at 1 Timothy and Titus, bishop and elders, they are expected to be of exceptional character. So when you get time, just read through the list. But but I want to point out one thing in 1 Timothy when Paul said that an overseer must not be a recent convert. Oh, Jesus. This right here should clue us into the fact that no matter how gifted or impressive or eloquently spoken or awesome your story is to lead others, you need time and maturity. You need time to learn and grow because there are going to be even things inwardly about yourself that might contradict this list of qualifications that you need to fix first. So somebody at home thinking about calling yourself an elder or a bishop, I mean, you might just and you just got saved yesterday. You might just ought to kind of slow your roll a little bit. Just stay in the pews for a second. That's all right. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Look, y'all, I know this is a lot, but it is so necessary that we know what scripture requires of our leaders so that we know whether or not they are from God. I'm reminded of a passage in 2 Corinthians when Paul was saying, what I'm doing, I'll continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. He said, they are false apostles. They're deceitful workmen disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And I mean, are you surprised? He said, even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. And then he said their end will will correspond to their deeds. So there are people out here in this world who are claiming to be a part of God's church, but they don't exhibit the character of God's heart. And we have to be able to recognize this, but we also have to acknowledge why people don't recognize this. So why don't they? For one, some people, they don't study scripture to have a proper understanding. They may be new converts. And if so, they should pray for understanding of the scripture, or maybe they just don't study at all. When we begin to study to show ourselves excellent and approved by God, That's when we will know when things are out of place and that they are not scripture. Until then, we'll take anything because we don't know anything to refute anything. Another reason why people accept this is is that they don't pray for wisdom and the ability to discern spirits. Remember, that's a gift. You pray for it, you might just get it. We don't try spirits. And we, and we don't try gifts against the word of God, but that is a requirement. We have to do that. Whether you have the gift of discernment or not, you got to try what people say against the word of God. What does scripture say about what they are saying and what they are doing? And then uh, another reason is because they heap to themselves teachers that suit their own passions because they have itching ears, just like it says in second Timothy. So they want to do what they want to do and they need someone living like them and teaching what they want to hear because they do not want the truth. That's, I mean, that's what it boils down to. You know, God's word is so awesome in how he gave us all of these things. He laid out all of these things for us so that we would know what to do and we would not come and mess it up. But in human fashion, here we come messing stuff up. When we have an instruction manual to tell us exactly what we need to do, it's just like Eve though. Eve had everything, but she wanted that one little thing that Satan offered, but he could not promise because Satan cannot do for you beyond what God allows because he does not have that much power. Now, he does have some power, so watch yourself, but he is not in control. So just like Eve, we do the same stuff. We don't think that what God gives us is enough, so we want to take and we want to force our way into things and into places that we shouldn't when all we have to do is just accept what God has already given because it is more than enough. You know, I want to end with this. When we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and then go to chapter 13 from there, from talking about gifts, we see that we should be functioning in love as it deals with our gifts. If what we're doing lacks love, it means nothing and it's not helpful. And we want to be helpful. If we're going to attach these titles to our names, then we need to have the character and the love to back it up. No excuses, no exceptions or anything that justifies us not aligning with God's will and his plan for his church. We have to remember that the function of his church, his 
way is more important than our position in it our way. We do not want to be domineering, proud, attention-seeking, or even unaware of the need as it deals with gifts in the church. We want to be impactful so that God's name is always praised, that those in the body are uplifted and encouraged, and others outside of the body come to know Christ. All right, y'all, I know that was a lot, but that is a wrap for today's episode. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. Listen, make sure you connect with me on Instagram and Facebook at Brittany Dotson Music and also on Instagram at Traditional Millennial Podcast. You know I would love to hear from you. Again, thank you so much for hanging out with me today on the Traditional Millennial, where conventional meets contemporary and faith fills the gap. Teach me your way.